Thank you very much. We have four candidates for the at-large seat, and they are Rebecca Kaplan, Francis Hummel, Margaret Moore, and Nancy Sidebotham. We have had a random drawing of the order of responses, so if it looks a little random, it is. Okay, the first question, which will go to Ms. Sidebotham, what would you do to make housing more affordable in Oakland? More affordable. Well, I come from the school that Oakland needs business. Okay, I didn't get my coffee. Um, let's have opening statements, and it'll be one minute from each candidate in the order that I, uh, Ms. Seidwatham, if you would start, and then Mr. Hummel, then Ms. Moore, and Ms. Kaplan. Opening statements. My name is Nancy Seidwatham. I've been a resident of Oakland since 1964. I've lived in many neighborhoods in Oakland. One of the neighborhoods I lived in was over here on Shafter Avenue. And uh, I graduated from Merritt College on Old Grove Street and Cal State Hayward. I'm not into the East Bay part yet, so I'm still old school. Um, I'm running because I represent neighbors, community, districts, that want to say in Oakland. Oakland has been too neglected over the years, and they keep and the community keeps looking for leadership in the people they elect. And I've been involved as an advocate for my community since 1982. And I am there for my community, I mentor them, and I guide them so that they understand how politics and government works in Oakland so that they can have a voice and a say. Thank you. Hi, my name is uh, Francis Matthew Hummel. I go by Matt, so if you see me on the, on the ballot, we will quote Matt Hummel. Uh, I want to say hello to you guys and just uh, thank you for coming out. I recognize some of you from when I've worked on campaigns over the years and people coming out and volunteering. So, uh, thank you. The League of Women Voters for throwing this event and uh, all the work they do. I, uh, I came here in '92 and uh, moved here to go to Holy Names College and study philosophy <laughs> and business. Fell in love with the, uh, the arts community here and, and moved into an art art warehouse in East Oakland and started doing uh, community things. I'm the chair of the Campus Regulatory Commission now and we're working on uh, decriminalizing, uh, ending the drug war, giving people permits, and and. Uh, cleaning things up in Oakland. Right now I'm also working on the, the, uh, on the subject of public banks. And uh, my next month's agenda item will have uh, the topic of public banks and using them to bring in can to, to, for cannabis deposits. And I hope to get that to the Finance Committee and move that on to Council. Thank you. Uh, good evening, everyone. My name is Peggy Moore, and I am excited about having the opportunity to run for City Council at large. For the past two and a, two, about a year and a half, I've worked for Mayor Libby Schaaf's office as her senior advisor. I've been an activist and community organizer in this community for well over 25 years. I served as a political director for President Barack Obama here in California from 2008 to 2013. 
I have organized Sisters Devon and Pride, which is an East Bay Dyke Marching Festival, celebrating this community and its diversity. I did it for 10 years here. I am an organizer. I want to revision this seat. I believe this is the seat of engagement. I believe this is a, should be the people's seat. I believe this is a seat that we can have ambassadors all across the city. I should be the one to help do the bridge building in this community with the council, as well as with the city manager, and as well with the mayor, but more importantly, the community. I want to be your representative for the at-large seat. I believe in engagement, and it's time to do that. Good evening, everybody. Thank you so much to RCPC and to the League of Women Voters for hosting us tonight. And since we are here, I thought I would open with Psalm 133, verse 1, how good and sweet it is to dwell together in unity. And so that is part of what it is that Oakland needs, that we take action to protect the people of Oakland in a way that strengthens our unity. My name is Rebecca Kaplan, and I'm very honored to serve as your Oakland City Council member at large and proud to have helped lead the effort to pass a renter protection measure on the November ballot that got a unanimous vote of the city council. Proud to have worked to help fight to ban coal, also a unanimous vote of the city council. I'm pleased to be endorsed by the California Nurses Association, the Sierra Club, uh, by Sandra Swanson and Lonnie Hancock, and the Alameda Labor Council, and I'd be honored to have your vote. Thank you. As the at-large council member, how do you balance the requests from specific neighborhoods against each other? How do you assure that everyone gets a voice at the table, including those neighborhoods that may not have strong voices to lobby at City Hall? And let's start with Catherine. Thank you. This is a very significant problem, and that's part of why I fought for and won funding for a technology called ShotSpotter that detects gunshots instantaneously so that we can respond immediately, because we discovered that the neighborhoods with the highest frequency of shootings were calling the police about them the least, and so shooters weren't getting caught. Similarly, with the way that we fill potholes and pick up illegal dumping, Oakland has historically relied on a complaint-based method to handle where and when to fill potholes and pick up illegal dumping. This is incredibly inefficient because crews run all over town picking up piles on a checklist and are not assigned to pick up another pile on the same block that they go by. And that's why I propose that we shift to a zone-based system for filling potholes and cleaning up illegal dumping, that we don't wait for people to call and complain. We go out and make this city the way people deserve it to be, for everyone. Ms. Moore, would you like me to repeat the question? Sure. As the at-large council member, how do you balance the requests from specific neighborhoods against each other? How do you assure that everyone gets a voice at the table, 
including those neighborhoods that may not have strong voices to lobby City Hall? Great question. Uh, you know, as a community organizer, you have to be in the community. We can't expect that the community should always come to the council to be heard. So the one thing that I would do immediately was create a team of ambassadors, a team of ambassadors from every district in the city. And number one, what happens with that, it actually get these different teams to begin to work together so they can actually have a broader vision for Oakland collectively and not just be stuck in their particular district, districts. One of the challenges that we have here is often we're talking about the flatlands and the hills. We spend so much time in what is different about us as opposed to what we have in common. And we have so much more in common and we should really be organizing and leading from that place more often. So I believe giving an opportunity for people to be at the table, going to where they are. As an organizer, this is what I do naturally, is engage with folks. So we have to go to the community, I would organize, and I would create a space where people can feel not only be heard, but be seen, and also resolve the issues. Thank you. Mr. Hummel. Thank you. you know, I, I thank you for both of your comments. I, I, I agree that there are people that, uh, that don't, that are disenfranchised, that don't come, come to, do not like to talk to the public, to come to the, the city and talk, are afraid to, and uh, the squeaky wheels end up being able to work, and there's, there's a lot of things out there that need things working on. Uh, it's important to me, I, my campaign is, a, is, is, is trying, we're trying to work a campaign that doesn't need all the different uh, donations from a special interests, and also, and, and, and the intention is that we, instead of having like the typical lobbyists, we are, it's the community groups that we, we speak to. Uh, and that's the most important thing to me. I, I want to mention also, the at-large job is the job to perceive the whole. And the individuals can, can get into their nitty-gritty of the, the districts. But it's very important that that large person, person perceives the whole, perceives the, the people that are disenfranchised, and makes sure they're on the table, spoken about every time. Um, you know, this is a problem in Oakland for, for many of the areas. We've got forgotten parts of the city. East Oakland is a uh, notoriety of being a dumping ground for what other parts of the city do not want. Um, West Oakland used to be there, but it's now growing. And we have groups that are already set up. We don't need any more ambassadors or leaders out there, we've already got Neighborhood Watch, which is um, on the block, in the neighborhood. They can build within their community. We have NCPCs, Neighborhood Crime Prevention Councils. And from there, you build up to get your neighbors involved. The other part in Oakland that we have a problem with is that not everybody's on the internet or on their computer. So we need to figure out how to outreach to individuals that have a voice but can't speak because they have no outlet with which to speak. Thank you. The next question. The audience is asking for your position on the proposed new police commission measure LL. And to go first would be Mr. Hummel. First, I, want to, I, I hope 
we all vote for this measure, and it, it passes. It's so important that the uh, the, the, uh, the police oversight happens. And I want to thank uh, Councilmember uh, Brooks and Captain for fighting to uh, to change the uh, arbitration clause. And hopefully, we change it as the uh, as we have new uh, contracts with the police. I do want to mention that as it is right now, we're not giving the tools the police the tools they need. And so we're kind of, we're letting them down. And when I say that, usually we're concerned about them doing bad things. We're not giving them the tools to get, do good things. We should have mandatory training to, to bring, to uh, make things safe. And instead, instead of escalating things, they need to have mandatory training to de-escalate. Instead of just being a, uh, a elective they can cho choose. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I, you know, I, I, I support the commission. It's, it's been a long time coming. Uh, and I think it's going to uh, really be great to see how it fully manifests itself. I mean, but the issues in the police department are deep and real and been going on for quite some time and extremely complex. So I want to back up a little bit on something. First thing I did when I walked into Mayor Libby Schaaf's office was to, I asked myself, who was the people on the ground? Who, who were the people that actually was engaged with the community? And that was our neighborhood service coordinators. I spent the first six months of my camp of working in that office, going to the ground, working with the neighbors, neighborhood service coordinators. And yes, we do have some great folks out in the community. And yet, we still have some of the issues where their voices have not been heard. Yes, we do have these great community groups that are on fire. And this is the people in Oakland who I love the most. They need to be lifted up more. So whether it's called an ambassador group, which I do believe, but these groups need to get more support and be able to be heard more. And that's what I mean in terms of going out to the community and organizing. But neighborhood service coordinators are by far been one of the most valuable pieces. If we don't have enough of them, we only have about 10, we need to double that number to be more effective in this community. Awesome. No, I'm really glad that this question was asked because this is incredibly important. You know, Oakland is in a crisis in terms of confidence between the community and the police department. And of course, the current ongoing sexual misconduct scandal only worsens what has already been for years a painful disconnect. And it is absolutely essential that we take action to build trust and accountability. And that is part of why, yes, I do support voting yes on measure LL, the police commission. But it's important to know that we did, in fact, have a dispute at the council, as Mr. Hummel said, and I voted for the stronger measure. I voted to make it even stronger. Now, the slightly stronger one didn't make it to the ballot, and we still should vote yes for what's on the ballot because it's still better than what we have if we don't vote for it. But we need independent oversight. And by the way, not only for when the cops do something wrong, for the, even when they don't do something wrong, if you don't have an independent body adjudicating that, people won't trust the ruling.
they aren't really working for the community. So when it comes to this, I'm still debating which way I'm going to go on there because there's, there's a lot of questions that need to be asked when you're going to oversee a police department and you're not allowing them to do their job and you have a council and a mayor that have cut the police departments down to ribbons and told them what they can train and how they can train their police officers because they want to bring in, thank you. Well done. Do you support the idea that developers of city projects be required to hire Oakland residents? If so, what percentage would you like to see and how would it be implemented? Thank you, uh, absolutely. Yes, this is something I strongly support. I have actively supported a council and I'm the co-author now with uh, Councilmember Reed on a proposal to strengthen the implementation of our local hire policy. We do still have in Oakland, despite some of the recent economic growth, we still have troublingly high levels of unemployment. And it is really important that when there is public investment going on, that we make sure that the economic benefit of that returns to the local community. And so the number we're talking about is 50%. And in the amendments we're working on, we're not talking about changing the number, but strengthening the enforcement because the 50% hasn't actually been happening. So the next step that we're working on isn't to change the number goal, but to make sure that number actually happens and that there aren't so many exemptions given to it. We need to make sure everyone in the community is uplifted, and that means having local hiring, local business opportunity. Uh, thank you. Uh, if you would pass it to Mr. Hummel. Would you like me to repeat the question? Uh, no. Yeah. So my commission, the Cannabis Regulatory Commission, just recently uh, moved uh, and it got passed the city council to a new ordinance around permits. And we, we, we decided that we needed to have a 50% uh, local hire, but we also had added on that that a, a certain percentage, if it was 25, needed to be from areas that were uh, continually uh, uh, unemployment. So like, not just from the from around here, but maybe from West Oakland, Poofell, different places where people really need the jobs. Now, there's a concern that comes up often with when we have the situation is the training, uh, and you hear union jobs, you have the, you have the, the situation, we don't have enough journeyman positions. Not, so I, I think we, we definitely need, if we're gonna be doing these things, our commission talked about having a, a website for employers and things like that for the, the campus stuff. But especially when we're talking about uh, uh, construction trades, we need to have training so, we make, so they can't have the excuse that we didn't have enough trained people. And so we, we do, there needs to be some sort of money coming from the city towards that. Thank you. Uh, 
the Blackhawk uh, Danville area because they've got a training um, uh, uh, school out there where they're training people. Um, but bringing jobs here, it's difficult when you don't have the business and, you, and the development that's going on is, is not that great anymore. So those jobs are going to be hard to come by. What we need are manufacturing jobs brought back to the United States from abroad and brought back to Oakland because we've been losing businesses right and left. And that's part of Oakland's problem because if you can bring jobs to Oakland, crime will go down. Uh, I absolutely believe in local hire. I think it is so important to our communities. We always talk about we don't have enough jobs for folks that are here. I do think we need to do, spend a little bit more time also on the hiring, I mean the training piece as well, to make sure that people are ready to take on a lot of these jobs. But the thing about local hire that I've learned recently is that we do have a lot of people that come into Oakland for the week. They have an address here Monday through Friday. And the weekend they get home, which could be in Southern California or other parts, but outside of Oakland. And I think that we need to pay closer attention to that. So we're having people that don't live actually in Oakland, but they're actually using Oakland address to work here for the week in these construction jobs and then go back home to Tracy or Moreno Valley. Uh, so we need to check that a little bit more because that is not local hire. What would you do to improve the condition and maintenance of our city parks? Oh. Mr. Hunt. Well, last year when I was when the camp, working on the campaign, I was able to go and do the survey. And they, they just finished this, this last week, but I, that is essential is, this, is that to make sure our, our citizens go out and do the survey every year. And, 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 and so the, the park department needs to so know what, what needs to happen. But the, I think, I mean, we're not going to miss, I think we're all going to agree that we need to keep the parks nice and, and it's important to do that. And, and uh, I, I did go to a parks meeting last night and they were talking about the, the noise issues and all these kind of things. We do, there are some things we need to come together and work together as a team, as a community, because there are conflicts that are happening in our parks over different uses, and, and, and if we can work together, this would be much more, much better. Absolutely. So I, I absolutely think parks are crucial for us and our communities. I mean, for a lot of communities, that's the one place that is safe for them. Um, so, you know, we, we had a pool over in West Oakland that shut down this summer that really was devastating for, for the kids. They had no place to go. They go there every summer. But we wait till the last minute, and, and the, the bottom of the pool is all messed up, and they can't swim there. So I'm excited about the infrastructure bond, because I do think there's some money in there for park and recs, and that's the area that we really need to focus on. That is the one place that our young people can go to, be engaged, and for a lot of people, like I said, it's a safe place. But not only the park, it's the people who work in the park. Our, our staff that is in the park, they're very important and also very, very special people. They deal with trauma in ways that none of us deal with every day. You think they're just there opening up doors and doing programs, but they're actually mentors. They serve as parents for some people, 
And I think it's so important for us to make sure we put all the resources that we can so that it can be successful. We do need more parks and more resources. Yeah. Um, first of all, I'm very glad that I was able to work together with a coalition of community members to insist that our parks and rec facilities and libraries actually get a chunk of money in the infrastructure bond, because that wasn't always the plan. And that was something we had to fight for, and that was important. I was proud to stand with the community uh, to win that funding shift. But I also think we have to look at what's actually going on in the parks. The city pays a ton of money for these expensive new rubber mats for the play structures and they fall apart immediately and the company that sold them doesn't fix them. So we need to have some warranties on that. We have bathrooms that are in a state of being trashed and destroyed essentially every day and they can't keep up and they wait to do maintenance till someone complains. So we need to be proactive because when somebody sees the place is already trashed, they take that as a signal that it's okay to trash it and it gets worse. We also need to insist on the garbage company picking up the garbage so we don't see trash accumulating in our parks either. You know what no one's talking about is that we don't have the staffing in Oakland anymore because Oakland has been laying people off right and left and in turn they're turning around and hiring part-timers so they don't have to pay them the benefits. So, and the other issue regarding the parks is that they have money coming in they're like CETA. They have money coming in, so the parks have money because at one time there was an aide to Ron Dellums who used to take park money and put it into other services without telling people that that's what they were doing. So, yes, our parks are a are our gold mine in Oakland. We need to protect them. We need to fight for them. But we also need the workers to get the job done, and that's part of Oakland's problem: is they are cheap and they are laying people off right and left and not hiring, and that's part of our problem. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Ms. Moore, what is your position on the soda tax, and why? You know, uh, when I think about the soda tax, I think about just the impact of soda and how you know, in my own family, I have people who suffer from diabetes, and it's, and it's real. Uh, so I think the soda tax is important. Um, I think that education around soda is more important. So my thing that I'm going to focus in on when it comes to the soda tax is, as once, once it gets passed, we need to make sure there's an enforcement around it to be able to collect the dollars. You know, I think that's going to be very important, because I don't know if that's really a part of this. I don't think we have an enforcement piece there, because we don't enforce it, we don't get the money to do the education to make sure the change happens. So that is very important to me. Um, but more importantly, I mean, it's just a matter of how do we educate our communities and our families around soda. Uh, I, this is a tough one for me, um, because you cannot regulate, you know, health. I mean, Nancy's seeing it. Uh, I want to take the responsibility, I want to watch the money, how it goes out, where it's going, and how it's making a change in our community. So you, you call it the soda tax, and I'm glad you called it that, but I personally call it the, the poison tax, and, and, or the sugar water tax. And, and I'm, I'm, I tell you, I'm, the, every time I turn on the internet or, or the computer, or I'll, I'll 
look up one of your guys' videos and the first part before it comes up or my video or whatever, we get another ad from uh, Big Business, Big Sugar. And uh, I'm, I hope everyone knows that how important it is to vote for this. I, I, generally, I'm against uh, sales taxes because we are regressive and uh, people with li the least amount of money uh, most harm. The, the hope is, though, that people don't pay this tax. The hope is people don't buy this, this junk anymore. And, and, we, and they can follow the lead of Sacramento, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, of uh, Berkeley, where they actually have a drop of 20% after this. And, and so, yeah, don't pay the tax. Don't buy the sugar. Thank you. I'm personally going to vote no against it. And the reason I'm going to vote no is because, one, like Peggy said, you can't regulate health. Two, if you're going to do a soda tax, then you need to do a tax against anything, all the processed foods there are on the shelves, because they all got sugar in it. You're going after the youth in the um, East Oakland, West Oakland, people that can shop over at Costco or San Leandro or other places are going to buy their soda and not pay the tax. But if you're going to do something like this, you need to do it statewide, where it affects everybody, and not just do it city by city, because that money's going into the general fund. And yes, they're saying that they're going to help um, uh, 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 nonprofits that's going to do health outreach. Oakland should not be funding nonprofits with our tax dollars. Young people in America right now are the first generation in the history of this country to have worse health outcomes than their parents. The dream of passing on a better life to the next generation is failing for the first time because of crisis level rates of childhood obesity and other diseases that are caused by the overconsumption of sugar. And the number one source, according to all the health experts, of the overconsumption of sugar is in these sugar-sweetened beverages like soda. And by the way, yes, you can change behavior with taxes like this. California is a model to the world in a successful tobacco tax that did succeed in dramatically reducing tobacco use. Two ways, same as this one. You up the price, which disincentivizes use, and you then take the money and you create educational programs. And the programs are going to be specified by a citizen committee, and that also reduces these negative health effects. Vote yes on HH. It's going to be it's going to be tight, but I think this is an important question. Um, there has been a discussion of city-sanctioned campsites for the homeless, with facilities and services available. Can you tell us your position on this, and if you support the idea of campsites, where would you locate them? And let's start with Nancy. All I'm hearing about from people that I know, I got a phone call today about the uh, trailers and the campers all down by Home Depot that are um, causing a lot of issues down there. Businesses are being broken into. This was on my message today. 
I don't know this for a fact, but business owners down there are upset that this is going on. If you look at East Oakland, East Oakland is very upset that they have all these homeless people <coughs> camping out there. You go to West Oakland, they're very upset about it. As to making, uh, having campsites, this is Alameda's problem. This is not the city of Oakland's problem. Oakland does not have a health department to handle this. This should be Alameda County handling this, and yet they're ignoring us because they can. And we need to make sure that Alameda does their job. We are a center for the health services for Alameda County. This needs to be part of their program. Thank you. First of all, I want to say that the so-called homeless aren't homeless. Oakland is their home, and uh, and I and I, I also want to say that you know I just I've watched it over and read the book a few times. But recently, I just watched uh, the Grapes of Wrath again, and uh, the Jones coming through to the to the different campgrounds, and they finally get the sanitation campground that's run by the government, and they actually have like uh, they have a, you know plumbing, toilets, things that are as essential to for human life. I. I know from my own experiences camping, if when, if, when I'm out, out, out in the boonies, as soon as I sit that tent up, I have a security, a, autonomy, that I don't want to take away from any human being. And I, and it is, I, so every, every tent I see out there is, is another, another family that has been, uh, been hurt by the, the housing crisis that is no different than the firestorm or the earthquake that happened before. The number of house, people, homes that have been lost, and people have lost their homes, we need to treat it as the same kind of emergency and give them the same kind of respect. You know, to be honest, this is, this is, this is a hard one for me. I, I, don't, I don't think it's an easy answer. I mean, you know, you got people who don't want to leave the encampment. You know, you got people, this, this is a safe place for them. Uh, and then we have communities that are, you know, businesses that are getting vandalized. Um, I don't have an answer for this one. This is the most tough, this is the biggest issue for me outside of the house. This is, this is hard. It's the county, and it is the city's responsibility because they are in Oakland. You know, I just, I just don't know. I've been talking to several people trying to figure out the right answer for this. I don't think there is a right answer yet. But I think that whatever happens, however we vision this, we have to be clear, we have to be compassionate, we gotta recognize who these folks are, but we also need to have a space that is safe and clean and healthy for our whole community. And I don't think we've come up with the answer on this one. This is one of the hardest things I think that's going on right now. So there are two major things we need to do to help resolve this crisis. One is to help more people stop ending up homeless so that this problem doesn't keep growing, which it has been growing. That's part of why it's important to fight to protect renters from displacement and expand affordable housing. Number two, though, there are people living in tents, in locations that make no sense, neither for the people in the tents nor for the surrounding community. And there's no sanitation. It's a lose-lose. Insanity is repeating the same acts and expecting different results. And the administration has been shoving people from one underpass to the next, to the next, to the next, never moving it to a better location. It would be much better to designate a handful of allowable locations based on where we can find available sites where we can put sanitation 
equipment there, where we can send social service personnel there, and then we can remove people from the underpasses and the inappropriate places because we'll be able to give them where they can move their tents and their stuff to. Or county. And the county should pay for it. <laughs> By law, it's their jobs. Yeah. Okay. Well, we've gone and done it. We've answered as many questions as we could, and now we're going to give the candidates an opportunity to make a closing statement. And I think we'll start with Nancy Seibotham. Thank you very much to the League for hosting this tonight and for the uh, Rockridge for uh, community for being here and for allowing us to come speak before you. Well, again, my name is Nancy Seidbotham. I'm running for the at-large position because we, the community, need a voice at City Hall. And we need someone at City Hall that is going to outreach all over Oakland, from east to west, from skyline down to the estuary. And not just sit there and play, in certain areas because it's safe while we ignore the rest of the city. Oakland has a lot going for it. Unfortunately, it has, it has been abused and used over the years, and we, the community, need to come together as a unit to fight to bring Oakland back to be the city that it once was. We've been losing businesses right and left. The businesses coming into Oakland are not bringing jobs to Oakland. They're bringing their own people to Oakland. We need to change that. We have a high rate of crime in Oakland, and we need to give those people jobs and hope. Without that hope and without those jobs, we are going to continue to spiral downward, and we need to make that change. Again, my name is Nancy Seibotham, and I ask for your vote, November 8th. Thank you. So years ago, I, I worked for Jerry Brown when he ran for mayor, and. Uh, and he pushed the, the 10K. At the time, Oakland was somewhat, we had all the people that loved it, but it was somewhat abandoned downtown and lots of disuse. And he pushed this 10K thing, and people were like, you're crazy. Now you're going to get 10,000 people to move downtown. But the reality is that we've shifted to a new paradigm in Oakland. And what we need is a 10K plan for affordable housing. And we, and we need to, because as it is right now, well, I used to find a, all the neglect was places where I could fix. These are things I can work on, things I can do. But now these empty buildings aren't there anymore. They're not empty. There's, uh, there's opportunities that don't exist for the next generation to, to, to make that art gallery or, that, or to do that exploration that I was able to do 10 years ago. Now, so we need to really, really see what we want the city to be. And, and do we want everyone that lives here to get to stay and maybe even but help their lives and like or do you want to or are we setting up a city that people their children can't stay I, as it is right now if i'm like an honor student high school student and i go into college and all my friends are still here when i come back to oakland the town i love after graduating will i have a place to be will, will i actually you know parents can, do you think do your kids do you see your future for your kids here that's, these are the kind of questions you need to talk about. And I hope we can uh, address some of these things. Thanks. Thank you. So thank you 
so much for giving us the opportunity to share our vision for Oakland. Once again, my name is Peggy Moore, and I would love to have your vote. I'm a community organizer. I've been doing it in this community for 25 years. I engage with everybody. You talk about the communities that seem to be disenfranchised. I am a part of those communities. I engage with those communities firsthand. In my experience of working on Barack Obama's campaign, we came up with innovative ways to connect, to make sure that everybody's voice could be heard. I believe that it's important in leadership on the council. I absolutely believe that this seat needs to be the one that does the engagement work across this city, uplifting all of the good stuff that is happening, because there is some good stuff happening in this city, but often we don't celebrate it. And I think we need leadership that celebrates that. I also think we need to tap into our greatest potential here, which are the people in this city. We got some great thinkers who can do a lot of things and resolve stuff. I have relationships that are statewide and national. And I think you need to have some folks to partner with to bring in new innovation, ways of thinking, and access to more stuff to our city. So I want to be your at-large person. I want to vision this seat differently and new for us. I want to bring more people in our community together. I want us to celebrate what we have more in common than not. Peggy Moore, City Council at Large, thank you. Good evening. Again, it is an honor to serve as your citywide council member and I ask for your support so that together we can fight to strengthen and protect Oakland. I have worked to successfully bring improvements to our city, projects ranging from the free Broadway shuttle and new bike stations to cleaning up truck pollution in West Oakland and helping to heal some of the hardest hit by asthma communities in the nation. <coughs> I have successfully fought to keep neighborhood job centers open that were slated to close so we can make sure we have economic opportunity in our community. And I fought for and won an $8 billion package of transportation improvements with a long list of projects for Oakland through Alameda County Measure BB. And now we are implementing those projects and making sure we fix things in a way that benefits our community. Most recently, I have had the amazing honor of being elected by the Alameda County Conference of Mayors to be our region's new representative on the Bay Area Air District, the body that makes law and gives out the money to clean the air throughout the Bay Area. And in that role, I've successfully launched a program to crack down on refinery pollution. Oakland is the heart of the Bay Region, and when the Bay Region doesn't have a plan for truck pollution, it's Oakland that gets hardest hit. And that's why I fought for that seat so I can go fight for the needs of Oakland, both in City Hall and with the regional funding. I ask for your vote. Thank you very much. The ballot is only a few weeks away and League for Minute Voters has a couple of recommendations to learn more about each of the propositions and candidates. Uh, you can go to the League of Women Voters website, which is lwvoakland.org. A second one is votersedge.org. 
org slash CA, because it's national. Uh, you put in your address and they tell you what your ballot's gonna look like. Oh, they don't tell you how to vote yet. <laughs> there are going to be easy voter guides coming out the end of this month, and you can generally find them at your local library. We would really appreciate, the League of Women Voters would really appreciate your friending us on Facebook and connecting with us on Twitter. Now, I don't know how to Twitter, but the League wants you to Twitter. So, thank you very much for coming out this evening. The League of Women Voters is proud to be an organization that encourages voting and is nonpartisan. Good night. Time a quick announcement. Um, tonight we heard about candidates. There will be a town hall next month, third Thursday of the month, at the library this time, and that will be about the Oakland ballot measures. So please come there to hear about the ballot measures.